0: My name is Nancy Farrow, also known as Mama Lou, and I'm the founder of Epic Experience. Epic Experience' mission is to empower adult cancer survivors and thrivers to live beyond cancer. I hope that as you listen to Campfires of Hope, Living Beyond Cancer, you find hope, healing, and empowerment. Through stories and education, we aim to guide those impacted by cancer And more importantly, offer love and support to anyone out there who needs it. This is Beyond Cancer. This is Gail, a.k.a. Sunshine, bringing you another Campfire Chat. Today, we have Denny Williams, a.k.a. Stretch. And Denny attended a camp just a few weeks ago, so this is fresh in his mind. So, Denny, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: So, we're going to start just by having you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, your family, and please include one fun fact.
1: You got it. You got it. Well, uh, yeah. So I'm uh, currently 44 years old, uh, born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, yes, that's how you say it. It's not Louisville. It's not Louisville. You just kind of mumble it and it, it rolls off your tongue. So Louisville, Kentucky. Live on the outskirts right now, just a neighboring county, uh, Bullitt County from uh, Jefferson County where uh, Louisville's located, but been married for 20 years now to my beautiful bride. We just celebrated our 20th year on March 1st. So congratulations. Thank you. Big milestone there. Um, Obviously the best caregiver one could ask for. So, um, and then we have two boys together. We have a 16 year old sophomore and a 13 year old seventh grader. Um, and I know we're here to talk about cancer, but uh, uh if you've ever taught a 16 year old how to drive, it's much more scary oh, than any cancer yes. diagnosis ever. I promise you that. Um, so Definitely. we're in the process. Yeah, we're in the process of of going through through those uh, milestones in our life right now. Um, but currently work as a athletic director for uh, all boys, Catholic high school, nine through 12. We have uh, 19 sports. Um, so it is keeps me pretty busy, especially during the spring. Um, and then fun fact. So here goes uh, nickname stretch. Right. I am right. six six foot eight. And uh, played college baseball for the University of Louisville. So um, that's where, and I, actually Stretch was a nickname back in high school as well. So
0: I did not know that. Yeah. So what position did you play? I was a pitcher.
1: Played? Yeah, I was a pitcher.
0: What was your like go-to pitch? The one that skunked
1: them all? That got them all, right? Well, um, I was fastball, curveball, changeup, but obviously given my height, that was a little advantage, I will say. For sure. Um, but yeah, so my go-to is obviously curveball, just like everybody else.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Well, I am a huge baseball fan, so that's Rock a on. very fun fact for me. I love it. Perfect. So let's move into your diagnosis, your sure. story. When and again, however much detail you want to give us, but in terms of symptoms you were having, how it ultimately got diagnosed, and then kind of the treatment plan uh, and surgery that went along with that.
1: Of course, yeah. Um, you know, looking back, you remember it his day, right? Um of course. Uh, unfortunately, you know, we were in the process uh, of our life too that when this was going on, uh we were building a house and oh um, gosh. <laughs> yeah, we were staying with my parents at the time. And I remembered it was uh back in summer of twenty one. Um I was just sitting there on the couch and I felt this pain in the top of my abdomen and thought, oh you know, that's kind of weird. I didn't know what that was. And This chalked up to indigestion or, you know, something of that nature. Well, a few weeks went by and it was still there and it was getting a little more uh, strenuous, I guess. And so I thought, you know, might as well go see a doctor. And I went to my primary care and he poked around and checked me out and said, oh, you know, you probably pulled a muscle. You know, you are in your 40s now. And, (laughs) you know, I'm out coaching my kids. And, uh, at the time, you know, I was heavy in the gym, lifting weights and trying to stay in shape. So, you know, we chalked it up to just a pulled muscle and uh, I said, okay, that's fine. And let it go for a little while longer. And it it just wouldn't go away. Um, Hmm. so about a month later, I called him back and, you know, told him that, and he said, we'll come back in. We'll, we'll do an ultrasound. We'll look around, see if there's, you know, could find anything. And, uh, so did that ultrasound came back completely positive, clean, you know, nothing. So again, we went on our merry way and three, four weeks later, it's still there. And hmm. so I call him back and I was like, man, you know, this is not going away. It's been, you know, probably six, seven, eight weeks now. Wow. And he said, well, you know, maybe we do, maybe we send you into a GI doctor and, uh, you know, they'll probably end up doing a scope, checking you out and see what's going on. And, uh, obviously I'd done a few colonoscopies already and I was due for another one. Um, so it, it all made sense. So at that point, went to see the GI doctor and, uh, you know, the meeting didn't take five minutes. So we, we went through symptoms I was having, um, she asked me a few questions, you know, no red flags at the time. And so ultimately we did decide to do a scope, but another kicker in all this was it was in the middle of COVID and oh, this gosh. was, let's see, this was October of 21. And they told me the next available appointment was in March of 22. Oh my
0: gosh.
1: Yeah, so I was going to wait five months uh, to have this scope done. Obviously, I, I agreed to it. Sure, you you do what you got to do, right? So I said, that's fine. Um, well, things changed in between Thanksgiving and Christmas of 21. The symptoms really started to pour on. I was having mm. issues uh, swallowing food. Um, I started to regurgitate everything mm. that I ate. And so at that point I knew, okay, maybe something's not right. You know, I talked to many people and they talked about, you know, um, having your esophagus uh, dilated sometimes that's maybe why I was having issues, Mm. but it just didn't make sense. And, you know, it really started to scare me at that point. And, you know, if it weren't for my, my wife and my parents and my mother-in-law, you know, they said, you really need to call and try to get in a little sooner if you can. And I, I don't know what made me do it. Honestly, I didn't even call. I emailed them, of all things, and just said, "Hey, I'm having issues now. You know, I am regurgitating food, that kind of thing. Can I get in quicker than March?" Luckily, they called me back. Had a cancellation in January 22. I went in for my colonoscopy and the uh, GI scope. And I remember when I waking up from the scope, I remember seeing the the doctor and my wife were talking. He had a page of notes. Uh, He had taken some pictures and sure enough, they found something. And at the Mm. time he said it was a a tear in my esophagus. And, Mm. you know, we both looked at each other like, well, that's weird. How in the world do you get a tear in your esophagus? But immediately right after that, they sent me to get a a CT scan done. So, you know, everything's going through your head at that point. And I'm like, wow, this, you know, could be serious. And they Mm. said, you'll have the results in the morning. Well, um, as I said, I'm an athletic director and so January 5th of 22, I got that dreaded phone call. Uh, a yeah. G- GI doctor called me and said, we think it's cancer. Um, it's esophageal cancer. Uh, it's a carcinoma, which is obviously the more aggressive type. Mm. Um, he said, we need to get moving. And you know, when you hear those words, your stomach you drops, know, your <laughs> stomach drops. I didn't hear another word he yep. said on the phone only thing I can think about was getting home, you know, seeing my family, you know, that was, it it was rough. It was tough. And obviously when you're at work, uh, you know, I left, I I didn't tell anybody. I just got in the Uh car and left. And so got home. um, Yeah. The results came back. They, you know, called me the very next day and said, yes, that's positive for cancer. We need to move. I believe it was that following week. I had appointments with oncologists, radiologists and the surgeon, mm. um, the following Monday, they had me in to get my port put in, um, rest up for three, four or five days. And then I had my first treatments. Um, so I had 28 radiation treatments, uh, had five rounds of chemo all at the same time. Um, oh, wow. yeah. So went on for, uh, roughly six weeks. But good news is obviously the treatments worked. Uh mm-hmm. tumor was gone. Um it was completely gone at the the scan. Um so at that point it was time to rest up and get ready for surgery. Um so May of 22 I had a full esophagectomy um which basically you know removes your esophagus and they took the uh, top third of my stomach as well Um, wow. the, the tumor started to creep into my stomach. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I got put back together, so to speak. But again, after surgery, pathology reports came back completely negative. They got everything that they had hoped for. And, um, you know, they considered me NED at the time. So I didn't have to go through immunotherapy or anything like that after surgery. Um, so here we are today. I've gone through uh, one scan already, and I've got my first six-month scan uh, this coming Monday on the 27th. Oh, wow. So wow yeah we're uh we're praying and hoping that uh everything's clean but yeah that's uh that's kind of my story in ten ten months n e d as we stand here today and awesome, hoping that the worst is behind us,
0: yeah definitely now, having two sons, both teenagers at the time or at least almost teenager for the younger one
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: how did you and your wife go about telling them?
1: Sunshine is the most difficult thing I've ever done I bet. Um, at that age, you can't hide anything, right? Mm-hmm. They're old enough to know something's wrong. And as soon as I got home, my wife and I kind of went off in the side room and talked mm-hmm. about it. You know, I told her I wanted to tell him right away. Um, you know, we didn't know any more than they would have known when I told them. So,
0: yeah.
1: um, you know, we just brought him in, sat him down and you know, I I told him dad had cancer and um but not to worry that you know I'm gonna fight this with everything I've got. But I thought it was important for them to know right off the bat um mm-hmm. what was going on and not try to hide anything. Yeah. Because ultimately they would find out. Um they're, they're smart. They Kids are. know. <laughs> they're resilient, they're gonna figure it out. Yeah. And um yeah, it was uh it was a rough day for sure. Rough oh,
0: day. I'm sure. Now what, they're two years apart or three years apart?
1: Uh, about two and a half. About yeah. two and a half. Mm-hmm.
0: Did they respond differently and obviously they have different personalities and all of that. Was there a significant difference in how they responded?
1: You know, I think they were in complete shock yeah. as well uh hearing the news, so their reactions were pretty much the same. They were yeah. quiet, they didn't say yeah. much. You know, my wife and I tried to drag some things out of them, but they just they weren't ready to to talk about yeah. it or to even consider what may or may not happen. Um, It wasn't until later on that we, you know, heard from our youngest uh, dean, he, Mm. we found out that he had a breakdown in school, Mm. um, you know, just when he was away from us with his friends. And then, you know, of all things, my sophomore in high school, you know, they, they were doing research on cancer um, when I was going through my treatments. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You know, so it was a little rough on him just talking yeah. about it uh, through school. So, you know, I there's bet. a few, yeah, a few rush, rough patches in there that we had to get through. But, you know, I'm I'm so proud of them. Yeah. I mean, they, man, they did, they did awesome. They did, That's they awesome. did just as, uh, you know, and it, uh, you, you sit here and think about it. And I mean, could you imagine it, but they were 12 and 15, you know, no. just hear, hearing from a parent that they had cancer. And, um, yeah. you know, my, my son told me that he would lay in bed and my oldest one, he would lay in bed and wonder if I would be alive in the morning. Mm.
0: He,
1: you know, that's just, that's tough Gosh, news that's, to take. For oh
0: me. yeah. That's heartbreaking.
1: And that's I can tough. imagine thinking that at 15 years old.
0: Yeah. Wow. So how did you hear about Epic experience? Um, well, so you would have finished in May, right? So you just yep. went, so it was, what nine months after, or so
1: exactly, exactly. Um, I sort of cheated. Um, so <laughs> I, I met Simmy Amanda Blackburn, who's yeah. on the board through a mutual friend. So, when we first met, the first thing out of her mouth was, You have to go to a <laughs> camp at Epic Experience. And I said, Okay, what is that? Sure, I'll go. Awesome. Um, yeah, so she she kind of put me on to it and so glad that she did. Yeah, um, cause I tell you, uh, th- Words can't explain it, but it really truly is an epic experience.
0: Yes. Full disclosure here. I happened to volunteer at the camp that Stretch went to. So I was part of the experience and it was a great, great group of drivers that were there.
1: It was. It was perfect.
0: So had you done any support groups before then? Or was this kind of your first foray into any kind of support?
1: Uh, It was the first one. um, We did a regional meetup uh, Simi and I, um, we did a regional meetup. Um, so that was kind of my first experience with Epic, uh, getting into it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we do have a little support group at our church that we go to, um, it's, oh, cool. you know, about three or four of us, uh, that we did on a regular basis. And then, you know, all the kind of the support groups online. Um, yeah. I started to be a volunteer with a uh, friend for life, which is a, oh, a local cool. program here too, that kind of Pairs you, um, with similar cancer diagnosis and treatments and things. And, um, so I'm able to, to volunteer there and have, uh, mentored two or three, um, people so far uh, of that aspect. But as far as the, the in-person and getting away, Epic's been the first one.
0: That was the first. So before you came Mm -hmm. now, I know you did talk to some probably, but what expectations did you have before
1: you came? Sure. You know, uh, she was so passionate about it. And at first I was just kind of going along with it because she was, uh, you know, she was in, into it so deep. I was like, okay, well, I'll do it too. Why not? And you know, you think of camps like that and and you wonder, yeah, you're getting away into a a different state, you know, getting away kind of out in the middle of nowhere, but I really thought it was just going to be you know, sit down, have a few talks here and there, um, you know, kind of like a summer camp you would go right. to as a kid, you know, y- yeah, there'd be some activities to do, but, um, it was just more of a way to little vacation, get away and be away from it all. But, um, so that was kind of my, my expectations going into it.
0: And where were you mentally, physically, emotionally before you came to camp?
1: Uh, honestly, all over the board. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been mad, angry, sad, happy, every feeling you can think of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've been there, but you know, it, for cancer patients at this point in my journey it's to hurry up and wait. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, during your, your treatments, you know, you have, um, doctor's appointments and, um, labs, and there's a schedule for you. And I mean, goodness, again, for almost two months, I saw a doctor or a nurse or somebody every single day. So I had that security and then, you know, thankfully treatments worked and I had surgery and I'm clear, but then they send you back home and you know, you're off to yourself and you don't have that security anymore. You have time to think. <laughs> you have time to think and you have time to worry and yeah. anxiety, you know, the scanxiety kicks in. Exactly. Uh, I've, I'm I've got that huge this week uh, yep. for my upcoming scan, you know. And then then you do get involved in groups like this or you talk to people and you know, unfortunately, there there's a lot of lives that are lost and mm-hmm. so, you know, survivors guilt is a real oh, thing as sure. well that that I've dealt with. Um you know, just getting to know people, uh, on my journey, but it, it's a tough thing to explain. And I don't think, you know, your family or even your closest friends will understand unless you've been there before. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was so thankful to go to Epic because I mean, you're in a group of people that every word that comes out of your mouth or that you hear everybody just shakes their head and is like, yes, I've been exactly. I know exactly where you've been and know what you're talking about.
0: Exactly. So going into camp, you kind of thought it was going to be, you know, summer camp ish um, and all over the board, mentally, emotionally. What did you find once you were there in terms of your overall experience and what you, you took away from the camp? Yeah.
1: Besides my addiction to rummy cube now, which uh, is real. It's a real thing. And uh, I almost bought a hammerhead pro sled, uh, (laughs) because awesome. we, we are now the, uh, hill sled champions completing Definitely. the one eighties. Exactly. Yes. Yes. We did it. We did it. You know, like I said, it's truly hard to explain, but my outlook did change. Right. You know, going through this whole process, you have to put trust into a lot of people that you don't know. Yeah. Um, and really to, to help save your life, which is powerful words to say in itself. And You know, what I took away from camp was how 10 strangers from all over the country can come together and within hours, minutes, whatever you want to call it, uh, pretend and talk to each other like you've known them for 15 years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think my outlook on people changed a little bit. Hmm. Um, How so? You know, early on, as I mentioned, I, I had quite a lot of anger. Um, yeah. You know, I just, I, I couldn't understand why this happened to me. And then unfairly, I, I would kind of um, just be a little too judgmental on people, I, mm-hmm. I guess, if you can say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my wife actually had to stop me one day and was like, you know, you, you can't, you can't put that on people. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and looking back, I agree, you know. Mm mm-hmm. I mean, uh, my worst enemy, I, I still wouldn't wish cancer upon them, right? And, uh, you know, you have to take that into consideration of, of what you're going through. And you'll never understand or you'll never figure out the why. It's just not in our makeup. But, you know, what you can do with it is learn from it, and which I've done a great deal. Um, I've learned more about my diagnosis than, than ever before. Mm-hmm. And I think it goes back to, you know, just living in the day. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, not to, I don't take things as serious as maybe as I used to, Mm -hmm. um, I'm a little more free, um, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think camp helped me with that. You know, we didn't, we didn't know the schedule. Um, we just had to show up and wherever we went, we did it. Exactly. And, you know, uh, up on the ranch, uh, it helped me disconnect from, from work, from, you know, technology. Um, and it was, uh, it was a big relief, honestly, you know, sit down and just have one-on-one conversations and group conversations with people. Um, it really does something for the soul.
0: Mm-hmm. And now you're back. What, you, this is your second week back or is this That's your right. third? So, so how
1: second week? Yeah.
0: How have you taken kind of that uh, mentality now that you have to be back in technology, right? And you have to be back in work? How have you kind of taken that back with you?
1: Well, yeah, obviously, I mean, my cell phone, it never stops ringing. Right. And um, like I said, this spring, it's as busy as ever. And um, just to give you an example, you know, we've got games and matches full a week, and it's supposed to rain from now till Saturday. And so it's just everything's going to change. Schedules yeah. are going to change. Everything's going to get messed up and we're going to have to sit back here and try to, try to handle it and deal with it. So unfortunately, you know, I can't eliminate that from my life forever. Exactly. Um, it's just, it's just part of the, part of the job for sure. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you just make it work and do its mm-hmm. best. Right. Um, you know, I've got a lot of people relying on me to, to lead them in the right direction. And, it's okay if things don't get done.
0: Exactly. Um,
1: it's okay to ask for help, you know, before I yeah. wasn't very good at that. Um, yeah. You know, I just wanted to do it myself because I know it'd get done. I know to get done right. And, you know, now I kind of sit back and, you know, i let some of the coaches handle their own situations. Um, even though they come to me, i let them deal with it. And then, you know, I just got to kind of relate and sit back and that this, this place wasn't built, Because I got here. Right. Um, It's got a long tradition. And so um, sometimes I got to sit back and just let that tradition happen.
0: Yeah. And when you're really stressed, you can just play Rummy Cube and it'll make everything better.
1: That's right. Right? As as I I was waiting to get on here, I played two games already. So
0: there you go. See? (laughs) So I'm wondering if there's anything that I haven't asked you uh, that Mm -hmm. you would like to share with someone listening, whether it is someone who's recently diagnosed, a caregiver anyone who might be sure. struggling a little to live beyond cancer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, you know, I think the big thing, and I've touched on it a little bit, but the mental health side of a cancer mm-hmm. diagnosis is, is huge. And I don't think that it's talked about enough. And obviously, you know, being a male, right, um, we kind of have that toughness about us that mm-hmm. maybe a lot of guys aren't reaching out, asking yeah. for that help. And so I'm here to say, guys, if you're one of those people, reach out your hand, ask for help. There's some great, great folks out there willing and able to reach out and help you. You know, uh, I've made it kind of my personal mission now. That's, that's maybe why I'm still here. Uh, at least that's why I think mm-hmm. that I'm still here. Cause I have a new mission, you know, it's my time to pay it forward. So if there is anybody out there that's listening or knows of esophageal cancer patient diagnosis, um, I am here. Uh, Please get in touch with me. I'm able to help whenever I can. But, you know, not only for the patient, it's for the families, Mm -hmm. uh, for your kids, for your caregiver. Um, You know, they're going through just as much pain, worry uh, as maybe the patient is too. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's programs for those folks as well to reach out and get support. So, I guess what what I'm trying to say is don't sit back, you know, just reach out and ask for help. Somebody will be there to pick you up.
0: Excellent. Excellent advice. Well, the all important question now that I always end with marshmallows over a campfire, slow and steady or flame and crispy.
1: Well, this is a tough one. And, you know, being in Kentucky, we do have a lot of bonfires at night uh, during the seasons, but ultimately I think it's, uh, Flame and crispy. It's all about a texture, right? And exactly. I'm kind of a big guy and you know I love to eat when I could. <laughs> and if anybody knows me, a plate of food, it was gone in no time. So I think the the faster I can get it to crispy, the faster I get to eat it. So I'm going flame and crispy.
0: Completely makes sense. <laughs> well, Denny, thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure to see you again, to hear your story. Um, And to everyone listening, until the next time we gather around the campfire, keep living beyond cancer.
1: Very good. Thank you, Sunshine. Good seeing you.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Campfires of Hope, Living Beyond Cancer. For more information about Epic Experience and our programs or to donate, please visit our website at epicexperience.org. Music for this podcast is provided by Moonshiner Collective. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us so we can share our story with more people. Also, be sure to subscribe wherever you get podcasts so you'll know when new episodes are released. We hope you come back and join us for our next episode.